Uh, hello and welcome to episode five of Show Me the Podcast. As always, I'm joined here by my co-host Harry. Hello. Hello, Harry. Um, with this episode, um, somebody came up with the bright idea to do it. So uh, <laughs> I think that would be Harry. Um, so I I've think s- this is a joint effort. Well, you suggested it and I've um, spent the week because I wanted to watch the films. So I didn't get through them it's, all. Yeah. It's been a very sad week. It's been a hard week. It's been an emotional <laughs> week, Harry. So uh, I think I've cried every day. Yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> Why are we doing this to ourselves? I know, and hopefully we'll make you cry too. <laughs> we actually have the discussion that's come from this topic already before prior to to recording this has yeah. just been amazing, especially like at my workplace. Some some really interesting chats have come from you know what what films make you cry and. Uh, and why? And why? It's, it's actually, out of all the podcasts we've recorded so far, the one topic which really has got people talking. So, yeah. it's good. Everyone it's, likes a good cry. Who doesn't? At a film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like crying anyway. <laughs> Weirdo. I'm about all my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> so, have we said, um, to this episode is going to be uh, our individual top five films that make us cry. Uh, this is when you said that all I thought of was um, Jennifer Saunders in Absolutely Fabulous going to Safi boo sweetie boo sweetie <laughs> mummy's crying <laughs> <laughs> sorry <It's fine>. continue <laughs> uh, yeah so um, Lorraine and I are going to give you a rundown of our individual top five films so that's going to equate to ten and we're going to chat about a few more other things as well so these films uh and not, they're not all sad ones, are they? It's, you know... So it's a different kind of... Like, some films are just sad. I think films that make you cry, they can be for different reasons. Like, they can be the obvious ones, you know, yeah. the dog's been killed or, you know, the, the, somebody's died or, <laughs> you know, this type of thing. But, um, you know, it can be for different reasons that film make you cry, as in... It doesn't have to be a sad reason. It could be no. a happy reason. You yeah. Know, crying isn't just, a, yeah, you know, pinpointed on sad occasions. It's, yeah. You know... Happy tears. Yeah, you can have happy tears. So th- yeah, there's a r- there's a real mix in this. I think, again, lots of discussion, and um, following on from that, we've uh, we've got some really interesting comments that have come through, which we're gonna reveal later. We will. And um, sometimes I think there's like nothing more therapeutic than sticking on a a sad film, glass of wine, chocolate, have a wee cry, get it out, get it out. I know. And whether <laughs> it's an affair to remember or the dirty dozen. Maybe some of you know where I've got that from. I do. I haven't seen either of those films, but I know the films that, that the film that that's referenced. Right? Are you going to tell us, or will we let people tell us? Um, yeah, we'll let people tell us. Yeah, let us know if you know what I'm talking about, and uh, we can all have that moment where we pretend we've got something in our eye, but really we're just crying <laughs> at a movie, boys and girls. So, Lorraine, before we go on to that section. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Well, I haven't actually watched any films lately. Well, because like, I've been watching films for this. Um, so I am big into my crime documentaries. So no. I've been watching... <laughs> <laughs> I love crime, I do. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching um, Homicide Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically about this old cop, Lieutenant Joe Kendra. Well, he's old now. He used to be young, obviously. And basically he's... Uh, a police officer, I think a lieutenant in Colorado Springs, and he goes around solving homicides. Yeah. But it's basically based on his actual cases. And, you know, he's just this guy who just, apparently there's no script, he just says it how it is, 
and uh, it's just really exciting watching him solve all these cases. So, and I'm very obsessed with crime related <laughs> documentaries. I love documentaries. I'm always watching documentaries. That's good. So this is one of my. I want to watch more documentaries. Not necessarily that, but no. I I I watch documentaries every week. Yeah. Live on documentaries. Yeah, I take my hat off to you for that. For that, I really need to get in more into my factual stuff and. Well, even like if you start off on like Planet Earth or something like, do you know what I mean? If you watch that kind of stuff, oh, like yeah, they're yeah. good, you know. Yeah. But like Louis Theroux, he does really good documentaries. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I love I love documentaries. Mm. Love them. Okay. I'm as and what would be perfect job for me is because I'm doing a master's in criminology, criminal psychology. And I love crime and I love documentaries. <laughs> I should actually be working on the crime channel, making documentaries. Shout out, you know, if yeah. you're listening. Yeah, give me a jump. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's your first thing? Um, I forgot to mention it in the first podcast back in the new year, episode four. Uh, but I watched a film on the plane called Ingrid Goes West. Oh. And it's <laughs> it's a comedy, a dark comedy, I'd say. Where were you going on a plane to? You never mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Vale. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's about uh, this girl who has some uh, issues and she becomes obsessed with a woman over Instagram and she uh, uses her inheritance because her mom's recently died, which is quite sad, um, to move to LA as she becomes obsessed with this other woman called Taylor, played by um, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Taylor, this girl she becomes obsessed with, with is uh, an Instagrammer. She's a, you know, a phonographer and she's, you know, living a life that everybody wants to lead. It's just really interesting kind of take on that kind of culture. Mm. So, one to watch. So, the other documentary I've been watching, <laughs> um, it had quite a lot of episodes in it. It was the Leah Remini documentary on Scientology. Oh, uh, yeah. She basically was a Scientologist for years and uh, she left. She's like exposing the truth about this religion cult, however you choose to see it. Um, and it's basically, for any of you who don't know Scientology, it's basically this religion cult that was um, created by L. Ron Hubbard mm. and um, is now run by a guy called David Miscavige. If what she's saying is true, which not that many people could be lying, there's so many people coming up with stories, then this religion cult is a freaking disgrace. And unlike other cults, this one is more money-based. Whereas if you look at a lot of the other kind of cults that are out there, they're more sex-based, like they're more sexual. Mm. But this one is just like, it's insane. And um, it's it's such a money-making machine. And apparently, I think even Davis, David Miscavige, who's done his now, I think even his parents like going, you're a fucking nut job. And they introduced him to it. Oh, like, really? I mean, it's insane. Yeah, and I was listening to a podcast uh, called The Last Podcast on the Left. And yeah. um, it's so good. And they actually, because there's so much to talk about with Scientology, that they actually did um, four parts of it. Wow. And it's so interesting. These guys are hilarious. Like, they're really funny in the way they do it and everything. But they, they gave out so much. You know, if you ever want a breakdown of Scientology, then go and listen to their okay. four-parter. I might do that, actually. Yeah. No, yeah. It, I, I find Scientology fascinating, but not for the reasons that they wish I found it fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we haven't got that kind of time. So, Harry, what have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all the Scientologists that may be listening. <laughs> um, I uh, binged watched um, something on BBC iPlayer. Uh, it was recommended to me by CJ Pods, who uh, was our live audience last week. Was it uh, Requiem? Yes. Yeah, and my dad also uh, recommended this, but um, it's a six-part drama. It's, it's it's like a psychological supernatural thing. Oh, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's spooky. 
dark. The acting in it is pretty stellar, I'd say, from everybody. There are a few loose ends, but I think they're doing that for a second season. Are they season. making a second season? Just a bit of a spoiler, but it did th- I didn't think that spoils too much. Okay. Um, so yeah, I recommend that. It's, oh. a, it's a good one. So that's that. <laughs> so um, I think now we should maybe read some of what our listeners have sent in about what makes them weep. We sure can. Because it's a lot, you know. We've had quite a few. Do you want to <sighs> start begin? off? Yeah. Okay. So, Steve. 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 Steve's actually been... Uh, he was a guest on episode <laughs> two. <laughs> we went to uni with Steve. We went to uni with Steve. I don't know why we're calling him Steve. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Steve has said that the film that makes him cry is uh, Monster's Call. This came out in 2016. It's a film by AJ Bayona and it's a drama fantasy film. And Steve says he didn't expect to cry at this film as he thought he had the film sussed and knew what was going to happen. However, this was not the case as the ending was so well done and the final realisation was so poignant that it completely broke him. Oh, <laughs> I've sad. never seen Steve cry. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he went deep. <laughs> uh, we've got one here from Lucy, and she says the films that gets her crying are the 2016 drama romance film Me Before You, which was directed by a Thea, Thea Sharrock and stars the mother of dragons herself, Amelia Clack. Yeah, I've seen that. I haven't seen that one yet, mm. but I think that's one I would like to see because I do like Amelia Clack. And Lucy also throws in one that probably makes most people cry, Marley and Me. If you don't cry at Marley and me, then go to the doctors. Your heart must be missing. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you don't have pets, you don't really understand Marley and me, maybe. Or if you never had a pet. Yeah. Venetia's written in saying that her film choice is uh, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge, which we discussed last week. We didn't want to spoil Moulin Rouge last week, but I think with this comment, we're going to have to. It's a pretty sad film towards the end, guys. It is. Venetia tells us this is her per- a perfect romance. The music is so powerful and evocative, and the way the characters are made up of such extremes, she thinks it really builds emotion into their stories. A tortured romance that's passionate in all fronts. Excitement, death, romance. It never ceases to amaze her. Yeah. I and agree. that was a podcast favourite for us. Yeah. We discuss it in episode Fantastic four. Fantastic film. Yeah. Um, the next one is Emmett. Emmett happens to me and my brother. But um, so I managed to <laughs> get him to dig deep inside and bring out the film that made him cry. And it was a 2016 Jack Snyder's Superman versus Batman. <laughs> He's obsessed with Superman, by the way. But he says uh, what made him so sad was the death of Superman at the end. Or was it? Was it not that it was just really shit? You're shit. <laughs> God, you've got such a... You've got it in... You're like a bully when it comes to anything with Batman to do with uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Not fucking Goodwill Hunting's amazing. Yeah, Excuse my French. I said Batman. <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Affleck, Batman. Okay. <laughs> Just read the next one, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this one's from Phyllis. Uh, Phyllis says that the film that gets her is a 2006 film by Frank Marshall and it stars the late Paul Walker and it's called Eight Below. Um, That is a sad film. Is it? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I've not seen it. Dogs. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Phyllis is an animal lover and uh, her love for this film uh, is because of a true resilience of the husky dog and uh, its faithfulness. Uh, She couldn't watch this film a second time as it absolutely broke her heart. That's, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I can do that to myself. Maybe. Yeah, no, you would. Okay. Um, <laughs> our next film is from Andy, 
he says the 1946 film by Frank Capra, Capra, Capra. starring James uh, Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life. And he says this film makes him sob pretty much from start to finish, but begins with Mary whispering George Bailey to George Bailey, I'll love you to the day I die. They kills me further when Mr. Gower hits George's sore ear. That is a sad bit. Okay, so uh, we keep the last one. This is yeah. our last one. I think we've got a few of the mentions that we've discussed, but these mm. are the actual comments that have been sent in. Yeah. Uh, so Tara writes, uh, we've got 1990, a film, sorry, made in 1999 uh, by Brad Bird, The Iron Giant. And Tara says, when he faces certain death as he's flying into space to save everyone, he reaches one arm out in front of him and says with a smile on his face, Superman, I wept. I've not seen that, have you? No. No, maybe you want to watch them. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're getting to it. We're getting to the main section. <laughs> These are fake tears, but wait till you hear yeah. it because the real ones are coming, I reckon. God. I don't know. I feel quite strong right now. How about you? Yeah, but I was thinking about my first film in the car today, driving, and I nearly started crying thinking about it, so I need Dude, to. Dude, on the way to work, I was thinking about one of my choices, and I was sobbing before I got to work. God. We're going to be fine. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Want me to go first? Yeah, you look you look like you're tearing up already. I'm not tearing. <laughs> okay, let's get to this. Um, so yeah, there's uh, certain films that uh make me cry, and I was thinking of them when we decided to do this. And you know, some of them I just couldn't do because there's some films that are just like you know, too, like things like The Pursuit of Happiness, The Color Purple. They're really good films, but they take you deep into the ugly cry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, so I didn't do them. And uh, like I said, when we do these podcasts, we like to, you know, sometimes watch the films if we know they're not fresh in our mind. Yes. And I knew I couldn't handle watching them again. But as I picked the films I picked, I realized I really couldn't handle watching them again either. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, but there's certain scenes in films like The Pursuit of Happiness and The Color Purple that I just couldn't. Couldn't deal with. No, I couldn't deal with. No. So, um, so I've picked other films that make me want to... Weep. Can I tell you how I've picked mine? Okay. Um, before we get into it. Yeah. So, oh God, I, uh, there's like a list of 100 that make me cry. I'm not going to lie. I said that to you, didn't I? I said we could easily do a top 100. Yeah, but the way I've... And it's been really hard. This is the hardest one we've yeah, done yeah. Um, for choices. But um, the way I've chosen is films that make me cry multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Every and time not I just watch, like yeah. in a big finale or yeah. a big section. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's how I picked. Yeah. Them. Oh god, yeah. They yeah they do honestly. And I don't mean multiple times of watching. I mean Mo- yeah. in multiple yeah. stages yeah. throughout the film. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And every time you watch them as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So my first film is. Um, a 2009 film that stars uh, Richard Gere and it's based um, on a true story and it's called Hatchy, A Dog's Tale. Oh, okay. I've heard of this. I've not watched it. So basically, this is based on a story from back in 1925 in Japan where a professor who Richard Gere plays he adopts the dog okay. and brings him home. This film was directed by uh, Lass Hallstrom. I can't pronounce that properly. Uh, who did films such as Chocolate, The Cider House Rules and What's Eating Gilbert Oh, Grape. yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, this film is uh, the relationship between the dog and Hatchy and Richard Gere. And it's like how all animals should be treated. I'm an extreme animal lover. But hmm. this if you have a pet, this is how you should treat your pet. I mean, this is how you should treat all animals with such kindness. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but basically, so the, the dog goes, to, you know, every time Richard Gere comes home off the train, the dog is there waiting. Aww. So he waits for him every day. And then one day, uh, what's his name in it? Parker doesn't come home because he dies. 
So Richard the owner, Gere. Richard Gere, dies. Yeah. So Spoiler. this this professor <laughs> in real life had died. Oh man. Um, so people are trying to explain to um, the dog, look, he's dead. He's not coming back. But the dog's not having it. So um, I think at one point they, because I I couldn't watch. I could only watch snippets of this film. I couldn't watch it all. So basically, the dog's ta- the dog's taken somewhere and it escapes and it goes back to the train station. So the whole story is basically about this dog who sits for 10 years no. and waits 10 years. every day in the same spot <laughs> oh, that is sad. for its master, Parker, the Japanese guy back in 1925, to come home. You know, the true story goes that... Um, you know, pe- people feed the dog, they look after the dog, and uh, then 10 years later, the, the dog just passes away. And it becomes oh, like this big story, and, um, you know, everyone knows about it. And it's just like, you know, this symbol of loyalty and devotion. And uh, I think if you don't tear up at this film, you're some sort of bloody sociopath or something. The same <laughs> way. But um, it's, it's just a really nice film hmm. about I, mean, I suppose as well you know we've all you know we have pets that die so there's the grief and i don't know but it's from a dog's point of view not the owner's yeah, point of view yeah yeah because he you know 10 years of waiting for someone's a long time and hmm. um i didn't know this i found this out today um the dog was actually stuffed and is in a museum in tokyo <laughs> yeah so i didn't know which is a bit weird but um yeah no it's just a really nice story and you know if all dogs were treated like this, there'd be no... Or all animals, there'd be no cruelty in the world with animals. But um, So who looked after him after... Everyone. Okay. He wouldn't stay, you see, because obviously uh, Richard Gere's family tried to, you know, take him and look yeah, up, but he yeah. wouldn't. He just waited every single day. And there's actually a, a bronze statue in his, in his place at the train station, yeah. But every day he waited and... That's loyalty. And that's why when people say that animals don't feel, that's some fucking bullshit right there. Yeah. Sorry for swearing, but that's some bullshit <laughs> right there because animals do. And uh, this film film, and this true story clearly clearly demonstrates that. You got through it, you learned. I you know, got through first but I, w- I would watch it, watch it. But, you know, if you don't cry, maybe there might be something wrong with you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Dev, because he wouldn't cry at that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my partner would either. I know, it's so weird. How can you not cry at dogs? <laughs> <laughs> so what's your first one? Well, my first one, you actually ended the podcast with last week. They'll do, big. They'll do. Oh, babe. Babe. Man. Oh. Directed by Chris Noonan, uh, 1995. It's uh, a real-life adaptation of Dick King Smith's novel, The Sheep Pig. And uh, apparently George Miller had... Uh, you know, uh, and it, uh, he was the mind behind creating it. You know, the man oh. behind Mad Max. Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> Every time someone says Babe, the film Babe, I always get the urge to sing that song when they go, Blue Moon, you were with me in a love, without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. The mice are one of the best things about this film. I love them. And You're meant to be crying, not no, laughing. Sorry, well, it's it's that's it's just a great film. Mm. It's you know it makes you. That is a good film. Gives you all the. Feels. I love James James Cromwell, isn't it? That's in that. Yeah, yeah. an interesting fact. He um he made this film and afterwards became yeah. a strict vegan. Vegan, did yeah, he? yeah. Wow. I'm sure a lot of you are aware, but this is a film about a cute little pig that is affectionately named Babe, 
Uh, he is taken in by what? <laughs> now I'm thinking of Baramu. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting. It's okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, that just proves that it's a good film because you is. remember all the you know the yeah, instruments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a he's a pig that's picked up at a livestock event uh, by Farmer Hoggett, who's a surly sort of old farmer. He's uh, sort of adopted by the sheep dogs Rex and Fly. And over time, with his politeness, his fight against adversity and overall lovable charm, he just wins everyone over. And it's just such a lovely film. <laughs> no, it is a nice film. So nice. There's various stages in this film that just make me tear up. And one of them is just his politeness and his niceness. And he's just... And it's, you could say it's his naivety. And there's just those horrible moments in it when that's slightly crushed. <sighs> but then there's some amazing moments in it, like... The music was said. Even the mice make me tear up. <laughs> mice are amazing. The mice are amazing. But there's there's two really potent moments in this film that get me crying without fail. And that's the one where Babe is ill after going off in the rain all upset. And the farmer's nursing him back to health. And the farmer starts singing if I had words to him. And it gets really into it. And the pig starts to feel better. And it's just so lovely. And he really reminds me of my granddad, the farmer. I think that's probably why. <laughs> and then um, the scene at the end when nobody seems to have faith in either of them, apart from mm. the, some of the sheep and fly. And then eventually Rex, the, the sheepdog. And I hate, I hate people, nice people being laughed at in films. It's, yeah, And they're like, definitely. all the crowd are jeering and mocking Babe and the farmer hug it. And then they do it. And there's this quote at the end of the film, and he says, and although every single human in the stands or in the commentary boxes was at a complete loss for words, the man who in his life uttered fewer words than any of them knew exactly what to say. And you said it last week. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Um, I'm a mess. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good choice. Thanks. Good choice. (laughs) Right, so my next film is a film from 1999, uh, directed by Walking Dead creator, Frank... (gasps) Darabon, yeah. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> what am I going to say? Green Mile. Yes. Because that's my choice. <laughs> have you got that as well? I have. Oh, Dude, good, good choice. choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, 1999. We said this in the last episode. Good year for film. It was a good year for film. Mm. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so the Green Mile has got a really kind of big cast. You've got Tom Hanks, the late Michael, uh, is it Michael Clark Duncan or Michael Duncan Clark? Michael Duncan Clark, uh, David Morris, Bonnie Hunt, James Cromwell mm-hmm. from Babe, yep. uh, Michael Jeter, Sam Rockwell. It takes place on uh, death row. Yeah. And um, they get this huge character in it called um, John, John Coffey. Like, what is it he says? Like the drink, only not spelt the same. <laughs> spelt the same. Um, yeah, so he gets him in. Basically, he's being charged with murdering those two girls. There are going to be spoilers. He didn't do it. Um, but um for me it's basically a story of um the compassion that these guards have towards him and not only him like the michael jeter's jeter's character in it you know he did do some stuff but to him as well and it just shows how for me how these people these guards it's a tough situation even in that yeah that kind of situation can be that kind i mean there's one that isn't um but you know, the ones who are, you know, because we always think to ourselves, we kind of take on that mob mentality. You've done this, you've done this. So, you know, let's slaughter them. Um, but 
for me, it's a lot of it. The main thing is just the relationship that John Coffey has. And he's just so... He plays it well. Oh, my God, he's so nice. Gentle giant. He is a gentle giant. And he just, um, you know, he's he's this such a big guy. But yet, this is what gets me. Um, I'm just going to read this one thing he says. Um, Basically, he's given the opportunity to leave because they believe that he didn't do it. So he's given this opportunity to leave and uh, he doesn't do it. And he says... And they're like, basically, why do you want to do it and stuff like that? He goes, because I want it over and done. I do. I'm tired, boss. Tired of being on the road. Lonely as a sparrow in the rain. Tired of not ever having me a buddy to be with or tell me where we's coming from or going to or why. Mostly, I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. I'm tired of all the pain I feel in here in the world every day. There's too much of it. It's like pieces of glass in my head all the time. And basically, he's had enough. And I think sometimes it's not like I want to be, you know, stuck on an electric chair or anything. But I think, you know, you have those days. You have those days where you're just like, why are you such a fucking dick? Yeah. Like, you, you know, every day out on the street, you know, people beeping at you, people getting mad at you because you've taken a second longer than you should to cross a road, or you, you know, you don't drive the way they want you to. I mean, I get mad at it sometimes as well. But you, you know, every time you turn on the news, and it's just like sometimes I'm just like. Everyone it's a lot of pressure, isn't piss it? Off. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, I do have those days where I think like that. Yeah. Of all the ugliness. And it does get me down. And I think sometimes my partner's like... That's when you stick on Jeremiah Johnson. That's when you stick on Glee. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But um, mm. he's just such a lovely character. And the irony is, you know, he's being killed for something he didn't do. Yet he's this it's person that has this gift that can cure illnesses and save lives yeah, he's being killed. And he wants to go because yeah, the he's people because he's yeah, society's making it that way. And yeah. Yeah. It, it, he's not a nice character, but Sam Rockwell plays that guy oh, so God. well. He's horrid. Oh. He's like No, he deserves to be freaking stuck in the chair. Oh him. no, he does, but doesn't Sam Rockwell play oh, him God, yeah. so well? Yeah. He's a good actor, that mm. guy. Really mm. good. Yeah, I don't know if you were gonna mention it, but the scene in the electric chair at the end. What with them, um, John Coffey? Mm. Yeah, and yeah. like Tom Hanks is crying. Mm. Oh, there's one guard in it though. He's just like absolutely the young guy. Jackson. Oh, he's Jackson, same front Ryan. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the young guy. But it's just when they go to put the thing over his face, and he's like, "Please, boss, don't put that thing over my face. Don't put me in the dark." He's afraid of the dark, and that, you know, because like I said, that guy's like six foot five and he's yeah. built massive guy, and he's like. You know, but then again, I think because you you hear like the mother, which understandably she thinks this guy's done this to her little girls, which so I can understand her being like, you know, I hope you feel pain and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I I love that you know the last thing that he sees is these guards who who actually care for him. So he goes out with some kindness and love and caring Mm. and stuff like that. So I think um, it's a good choice. Yeah, bitch stole one of mine. (laughs) <laughs> move on to the next one yeah. <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> unless you have something more to say about no, the green mile no I, um, that was a sad one yeah it is a sad one <sighs> okay so impose ourselves <laughs> I think we're doing alright actually I'm surprised none of us have actually shed a tear I nearly did there <laughs> yeah. that was a close one I did on babe I mean jeez <laughs> so uh, my um, second film is uh Actually, also one with uh, Tom Hanks in from 1998, so the year before. Um, and that is Saving Private Ryan, the Steven Spielberg. Do you know what? 
I wasn't overly fond of that film. Get out. Get out right now. You know, I'm not a big fan of film war-esque films. I, I like a couple, but very few. Yes, I am of the same uh, nature, but this film... <laughs> I disagree with you there on that one, Because I was quite young when it came out, and then the f- I was too young. I think I was too young to see it at the cinema. Hmm. Um, I the, the first time I recall seeing it anyway was um, when my dad bought the DVD, and at the time he had bought a surround sound system, which he was so impressed with. <laughs> I remember when my family got that. Yeah, <laughs> and he put on Saving Private Ryan, and those first 27 minutes on um, the landing... I think that was filmed in Ireland, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I think it was. I may be wrong. But that was the first time war became a reality to me. And I mean, I was only young, but I was just like, did this actually happen? Mm. Like, does this actually happen to people? And it just made me so sad. I mean, it's so well shot as well. It was an attack on the senses. Mm. And the surround sound didn't help. (laughs) It was very good, but... It, I can uh, really hear you dying now. Yeah, that, 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 what the noise is, and you're yeah. like, I mean, I'm just hearing it in my living room. Imagine, like, being there, like being there. Do you know what I mean? And seeing all that, it was, um, it was a very powerful moment, and I remember it to this day. And it's, you know, still seeing that scene just makes me, um, yeah, sad. Is it a proper weeper? Like, because I don't remember crying at that film. Yeah, if I were to watch it on my own, I'd weep because I'd allow myself to. But when I'm with people, I just kind of... I hate it when I do that. But mm. I do it all the time where I hold back on the crying. I'm literally like going... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I was thinking... This, this is the film that I was driving to work thinking about. And um, there's, there's, I'll talk about scenes again because there's multiple scenes. Mm. Um, but if you don't know, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Yeah. Um, this film is uh, an American war movie. It's set during the invasion of Normandy... Uh, shortly uh, in the during the second world war shortly after the d-day events and captain miller who's played by tom hanks is tasked to put a squad together to go and get um private ryan played by matt damon is it because all his siblings have died or something yeah all yeah. his siblings uh, his four brothers including so there are four brothers they're all servicemen three of them have died yeah. and he's the last one and right. the government are like pa- yeah, yeah his parents deserve to have him back yeah kind of thing so yeah this squad are put together and they they go on this this journey to get him back and it's it's heavy it's really sort of a gritty film i can't remember how that ends they get him they get him is he dead no but a lot of them die <laughs> did the ones going to get him die some of, yeah, yeah um fair few of them maybe but, i should watch it again mm, it, yeah no it's 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 intense um and half I'd say about halfway through there's this one scene uh, with a medic and he's just this gentle guy but he knows his, his shit that's why he's there that you know a lot of, that's mm. a lot of them are there and they don't know why but he's there to help them try and survive and he's Wade and he's played by Giovanni Ribisi oh I like him mm. he's so gentle in this film and then he gets shot to shit and he's spilling blood everywhere and they're just like pulling over him and going what can we do what can we do and they're pulling salt into the wounds and stuff and he's just he's Giovanni Rabisi mm. man have you seen him he's just such cute and such a good actor Frank Junior but, Frank yeah. Junior Junior <laughs> friends yeah <laughs> and um, they're telling him where his wounds are because he's trying to help himself out and then Tom Hanks goes what can we do and he's just like oh some, some morphine would help and they know what that means and that means he's like just kill me just make it easier <laughs> And they're all like looking at each other like, okay, we've got to do this. And they do it and it's really sad. 
<laughs> Harry's welling up. I am welling up. <laughs> Apart from the, the the landing scene, which gets me every time as well. First fucking half an hour or whatever. The last there's uh, one scene, but last before the end, and um, Tom Hanks and Matt Damon are just hanging out in this you know, war-torn village waiting. I can't remember the exact specifics of the scene, but they're just sat around in the sunshine in this dilapidated, you know, bomb town and um, talking about why they've gone to get Ryan. And Ryan goes, I can't remember my brother's faces. And Tom Hanks goes, don't try and remember their faces. Try and remember a moment, something specific about, like, what you've done together. And so Matt Damon's does this speech and it's like a... It's, like, it's a real lad speech, but... Mm. He put so much emotion into it. And apparently he did that on the fly. It was like improv moment, oh. but they all went with it. And it's just such a nice moment. And mm. just the way he delivers it, it's just so emotive. And then he goes, that's the last time we're all together. And you're like, oh, it's, yeah. And then um, Tom Hanks, he's like, tell me about your memories about your wife and the rose bushes. And Tom Hanks goes, no, those memories are just for me. And it's the way he says it, man. It slays me every time. Both of them in that scene are phenomenal. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Yeah, he is. He's just so versatile. Yeah. I mean, you really think of him for all his comedy stuff, but in that film, he is no messing. But he. No, just, I remember because, like, yeah, I used to see Tom Hanks, you know, in in things like Big and stuff like mm. that, you know. And then I seen him in Philadelphia, and I, I was still like, haven't seen that. I've seen oh, clips, but I need to. I need to watch it. That is definitely that. That was one I thought about, but I was like, no, I can't. I can't watch can't that. No, it. he is outstanding in that film and really? I think that's when people I may be wrong but for me anyway I went fuck Tom Hanks man yeah he's not just a love interest or a comedy guy that guy is amazing and I suppose as the years gone on we've started we've seen him in a lot of different yeah. amazing films um he can do it all he really I think can. the only thing Tom Hanks hasn't done is horror what's well the burbs is kind of a horror <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but yeah no everyone loves Tom Hanks Surely do. Surely do. <laughs> um, right, my next film, I've gone for a, a romance film here, but it's not your typical girl gets gal, guy gets gal, <laughs> sorry, girl gets gal, guy gets gal. Um, at the end, uh, yeah, but this isn't one of them. Okay. Um, it's a 1995 film. It's directed by um, Clint Eastwood. Stars Clint Eastwood. I know. Mel Streep, <sighs> and it's the Bridges of Madison County. Good choice. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there will be spoilers because I need to give spoilers to uh, get it across. Um, but I think for me, this is the type of film that I can see, especially because I think I think it's in the fifties. This film set, I can't quite remember. It's a split, isn't it? It's like yeah, nineties yeah, and, and current. Yeah, sixties. Yeah. Um, I think is it sixties? Yeah, and. Um, I think this this is a film, uh, a time when women were at home mm. cooking, cleaning, and that was basically raising their kids, being a wife. That was their life. You know, yeah. they, they they didn't really work or you know kind of have the social lives that we would have now. And um, you know, so I I like this film because I think it kind of represents that. It's not just your kind of like you know hot guy hot girl gets together you know yeah a bit awkward and things go wrong but then they magically get together and everything's great like you know that type of thing um but first i want to talk about the cinematography in this film mm. by a, a guy called jack n green is absolutely it's just amazing it's so beautiful it's one of those places where you're just like i want to go there 
<laughs> I don't want to live there, but I want to go and visit. <laughs> and um, it's just a beautiful location. It's set in Iowa, and uh, there's the shots of uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, Streep are just absolutely sublime. And um, I think in this film that Meryl Streep looks stunning. I think she's so beautiful in this film. She's she, beautiful anyway. She is beautiful. But I think in this film, she's just so natural. I don't feel like... I feel like she d- they she's don't... Not ta- she's not glamorized. No, I don't, I don't feel like they... I feel that's how she looks yeah. all the time. Oh, natural. Yeah, and she's just absolutely stunning. And, you know, you've got then the handsome Clint Eastwood and, you know, and... Um, the film hasn't got a lot of characters in it. You know, sometimes you get these films where there's like, it's very, you know, because the film's mainly just them two with mm. a few bits in between. I d- Sorry. And it's hard to carry sometimes, but they carry it. Yeah. You know, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I like her kids in it because I think they, yeah, and yeah. like her son's like, I can't even quite remember the quote, but he, 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 he like makes out that it's, his mum. Like, yeah. And she's just like, Ugh. His older sister is like, get a grip. <laughs> well, she's in the same situation. Mm. She's in a relationship that, you know, she doesn't really want to be in. Um, uh, Clint Eastwood is a um, photographer. He works for, I think it's National Geographic. And uh, she's a housewife. Mm. She's from Italy. And uh, her... That's an, sorry, to interrupt. That's another thing. Meryl Streep does accents so well. She does this, yeah, because when she was doing it, I was like, wow, that's really good. Mm. <laughs> really, really out of Africa. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Iron Lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so basically he's um, going to do a shoot on these um, historical bridges in the area and mm. her family, her kids and her husband have gone away for four days and um, he basically turns up at her house. Oh, it is, four days. Yeah, they go away four days. Yeah, exactly. What can happen in four days? <laughs> um, he turns away, uh, sorry, he turns up at her house and, you know, he doesn't really know where she's going and then she offers it to show him and that's how they start to become friends um now we find out the story because basically Meryl Streep has died you know Clint has died the father's died and all that kind of stuff and the kids find these letters mm. uh basically describing um what is going on and um the letter begins to explain what happens and basically she says this one thing and she goes um uh how um as you get older things that are important change how a woman um, how a woman is to be known and uh, basically Francesca is very discontent with her life she cooks she cleans all this kind of stuff and I think women back then you never really knew them hmm. do you know what I mean yeah because they, they never allowed themselves yeah and they would never express it you mm. know um so basically you know she's she's met Clint Eastwood and she's showing him around to these bridges and stuff they want to go and they start meeting and it starts off as friends, but you can tell that there's this, you know, she's kind creature. of like fascinated with him because he's, you know, a, life, a bit of a nomad. He go, you know, he goes around, lives a life. He, he doesn't know where he's going to be. And she just can't grasp this. You know, why aren't you married and kids and all this kind of stuff? And um, so they basically start this affair and it does turn sexual, but it's not seedy. No, it's romantic. You know, it's very, very romantic. And I think you know yeah she's cheating on her husband basically but i know that's not right and i would never say that as right but there's just something not wrong about this i know that sounds really really bizarre but it's just it's just a really nice story about a woman who you know had dreams you know and she moved to america with this guy and they never happened like even at the end of the film the husband before he's dying says look i know you had dreams and I'm sorry that you never got to, mm. you know, to live them. But 
you know, that brings me on to the next point. She has these four days with him and she's fallen madly in love. He's fallen madly in love. And, um, you know, he wants her to go with him and she doesn't. Oh, that bit where she's got her hand on the handle. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the right. And he's oh, like God. in the car in front and he's, he's indicating. He's sad, yeah. Yeah. He's, um, yeah. So basically she's, he's like, I'm here for another couple of days. So, you know, you've got time to change your mind. And the husband has come back at this stage and the kids and, um, you know, they just go back to normal. You know, they're in the kitchen having dinner and she's washing up and all this kind of stuff. And, um, God, I just re- it's a film about sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say that. So she, you know, she doesn't go because like, she's like my, my daughter's 16. So, you know, I don't want her. She's coming into the stage now where she's going to meet people and fall in love and all this kind of mm. stuff. And I don't want her being, you know, seeing what I've done and thinking, is that, that what it is? So she just goes back to it. And like you said, um, you know, there's this one scene where she's in her car and it's pissing down with rain mm. and he's standing on the street and he's just looking at her and she's looking at him and she kind of gives him just the smallest smile and he gives her the smallest smile back and then the husband gets in the car and she starts like, she's crying and he's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And she's like, just give me a minute, just give me a minute. And like you said, they can stop at the tra- traffic lights and she's got her handle on the door and he indicates and then eventually he just pulls off and he's gone. That's it. And that's it. And then like, you know, when the husband dies, she tries to find him, but she never does. And it turns out he's died as well. And um, it's just... Meryl Streep loves a good tear-jerked film, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so just, many. it's a really heartbreaking film. And at the end, I this is one film, like I try and do it a lot, but I don't always do it because I just don't think sometimes. But at the end, I like to sometimes watch a film to the end credits. And because uh, I think you kind of deserve that. I remember yeah. in Dawson's Creek, Dawson used to say, you know, that it's basically respectful or something that you should watch it to the end. Like, which is true. All these people put this work in. Um, but there's a lovely score at the end of it. And the whole thing is just like the credits are rolling, but it's kind of just going like aerial shots, you know, from of, view aer- yeah. of the thing. And then it just homes in, you know, shot on this on the bridge as the last few credits roll up. And it's just it's just a, a, a lovely film. And I think a lot of women could probably look at this and relate i think not just women men oh as men well. as well yeah men. but yeah it is it is about that yeah that you get to a certain situation in life and you do have to sort of possibly some of people might have to make that decision not to mm. jeopardize certain structures you know well she said she says if they went if she went it you know it'd be different it's like the thing like you have an affair with someone and then you think it's going to be like that but it's not you you know you get into normal life yeah you know and maybe it would have been an amazing thing and uh, you know she'll never know but it's just a really sad thing but like yeah like I said that scene at the end where she's looking and she you know you you see him drive off and you just see the side of his arm yeah. from his truck you, yeah you don't get to see his reaction you don't see his reaction very clever yeah way, and way like I that. think w- what Eastwood does with this film is he it's a very slow burner. Like, it's not just like, oh, hey, yeah, you're hot first night, bang, let's get into bed. It's a very slow burner. So you see this amazing It's all kind of... Relationship. Yeah, it's, a, it's her yeah. POV, really, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, like you say, you don't see him because her last shot of him yeah. was on that street. Yeah. And that's it. You're, you're, you're done. Yeah. You're, you're feeling her get wrenched because yeah. he's... You, yeah. You're crying with her. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. That was a sad one. Hmm. Um, okay, well, my last... Oh, no, no, it's not. It's not my last one. What am I on about? My next one. Next one. Uh, is the... It's an animated film, cartoon, actually. Uh, the Fox and the Hound, made mm. in 1981 by Disney. 
81. Wow. <laughs> um, I'd say this is my one of my favourite Disney films. My favourite Disney film is always, everyone goes, really? When I see my Pinocchio. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pinocchio or uh, Dumbo? Pinocchio is dark, man. But hey. Who are you talking to? Yeah, this is true. To be fair, so is this. They all are. Yeah. I think I think that's the, the good thing sometimes about Disney films. It's like when you... It's like when you watch like a Pixar film or something. Now you see things that a kid wouldn't see. Yes, like you wouldn't have noticed a lot of the stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, this is very true. You know, to you it's just oh look at the animals. <laughs> wow, when Mufasa dies, <laughs> everyone feels that. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, the fox and the hound. Um, so uh, this is about a little fox who is adopted by a lonesome old woman into a farmhouse, and uh, he's uh, called Todd. And then he befriends uh, the grouchy next door neighbour's new puppy called Copper. It's sort of um, goes against nature for them to be friends because H- Copper is a hunting dog and, you know, Todd's a, a fox. fox. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's it's about how really the pair become friends, but they should be natural enemies um, and are told that they shouldn't be friends by everyone around them to a degree. Um, yeah. And People. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you've got Big Mama or whatever her name is, the big owl saying, when you're the best of friends. Oh, my God, that makes me cry. <laughs> and um, nature gets in the way, and the mom figure, the, the, the lonesome woman, she, she decides that he's got to be safe. If He's only safe if he's in his natural habitat. So she takes him on a really emotional four-minute car ride <laughs> to the forest and just leaves him there. And he's just like, no, 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 what are you doing? And she's just like, no, you've got to stay here. It's horrible because she's like, he's her child mm. and she's abandoning him technically. And it's just horrible. It's a really sad moment. And he then he spends like a really cold night and like scared night in the forest. But then he eventually you know, sorts himself out. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but he sorts, himself. sorts himself out. I just think it's a really interesting take for Hollywood, uh, not Hollywood, Disney. It's not your sort of typical... They were friends and they lived happily ever after and all they had all these adventures together. That's what makes it sad. It's, yeah, it's really sad because that, that end... Have you seen this film? Yeah. Yeah, that end when, you know, they're trying to kill him, basically. The the, the um, grouchy next-door neighbour and his two dogs, including uh, Copper, grown-up Copper. And they're trying to kill the fox and eventually the, the, the this dog, who's like Copper's big brother... Yeah. kind of paternal figure gets knocked down and um because of Todd. Um and um a bear comes along and blah blah blah. Copper's owner points a gun at Todd and he's about to shoot him and then just Copper just gets in the way and he just looks at his owner and he just kinda of shakes his head and he's like, Move out the way, Copper and he's just like, No And Todd the fox just looks at Copper and they're kinda of like, That that's the end now but you know, it, we're still good. It's just gut wrenching. <laughs> films with animals always are they are I could have picked all my films would have been probably ones with animals and I'm not a massive animal person but <laughs> but uh, no animal films are a killer yeah you literally could do how many films on animals mm, yeah I am an animal lover so but like you said I don't think you necessarily have to be one to no not to appreciate yeah because this isn't necessarily about animals it's kind yeah. of about a bromance yeah that can't be yeah because of circumstance and it's a bit like Bridges of Madison County. They mm. make sacrifice. They have to make sacrifices to let life sort of just go on, because mm. they know they can't be together as mates. As mates. <laughs> as mates. And it's ever so sad. 
And it's also another Kurt Russell film, and I'm noticing a theme with me. <laughs> uh, that I like him. <laughs> I do like Kurt Russell. So, yeah, that was... Uh, I got through that. I thought I'd cry through that one, but, yeah. <laughs> My next one I'm a bit worried about. Oh, yeah? Hit me. It might be probably a strange one that people might think that I've picked this. But it's a sci-fi that was released in 2009 by uh, Neil Bloomcamp. And he directed Chappie and Asylum. And it's District 9. And arguably the best out of those three films. I did enjoy Chappie. Um, but basically, um, the main guy in it is called Shalto Copley. He's such a dude. He plays, you might know him as Murdoch. He was Murdoch he's in the 80s. He's such a good actor. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good in this. And uh, before I go any further, I just have to say three words. You fucking prawn. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so basically it starts off um shot in like documentary style where um it's basically these aliens go on <laughs> I, no, went, I forgot where what we were doing then and i went to stop you and go yeah i know i've seen it <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing a podcast yeah, yeah so i have sorry. to talk about it um <laughs> yeah so basically um it's about these aliens that landed on uh in johannesburg so they've got this spaceship basically hovering over and uh, they were all dying and basically they're now living in this on earth in like nine. these like shanty town type things which actually do exist um and uh the reason basically that they're they're in the shanty town but they want to evict them because obviously everyone's going nuts that they're there yeah um and they call them prawns because they resemble prawns yeah um but they're they're being treated the reason i find this film so sad is because they're basically being treated the way people treat you know refugees today because they're basically refugees yeah and that's why i find it so sad and um uh bloom Kank was saying basically that when when they filmed it they filmed it like in uh johannesburg and it was actually quite um because he wanted to be authentic and it was quite a um a dangerous place to film he says like the environment wasn't really that nice he says, well, there was beautiful spots. You know, there was times where it was kind of like scary. And I think one of the people working on it did get, uh, you know, oh, really? carjacked. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so basically the, they've got these people down in these concentration camps, for use of a better word, and they're moving them. Yeah. So basically they're going to evict them. And this is how it starts. And Vickers goes in. Wickers. I thought it was Vickers they were saying, but it's Wickers goes in. And he's basically telling them all to go. And, um, you know, he's not, there's quite aggressive tones to it but it's not at the moment it's not too bad but there's of course the military's there and there's always a few that are a bit heavy-handed and um there's this there's also this like little kid prawn oh yeah who's <laughs> just so adorable um but yeah so they're trying to move them but as he's doing it he gets sprayed yes. with this stuff and this stuff then eventually is turning him into one of them one of them and um like th this is one scene that did i'd find it really upsetting um is they take him he goes to hospital because he doesn't know what's happening he's got his arm bandage they undo it and he's got one of the claws yeah. so they take him down to like this military place oh, and they're trying to get him to pull a gun and then they get him and they get him to shoot a prawn and his wife's dad's there the whole time and she's he basically tells her that he's dead because they they want to kill him but when they're talking about killing him it's like they have no regard for him whatsoever. No. You've got this in you now. We need this. I mean, they're talking about him, what they're going to do to him while he's lying there. And it's just, 
so and it, that's one of the other things that got me like mad with it it was like you know the government doing whatever they want mm. i need this so i'm gonna do it yeah. simple as and it doesn't matter you know what collateral damage there is along the way so that got to me the whole concentration camp the whole way that the refugees are treated the way we do you're not from here so you shouldn't be in our fucking country i mean whenever i hear that it makes me literally want to punch someone in the face Mm -hmm. we are people of earth do you know what i mean and i'm not one of these hippy dippy type people you know i'm not but when you turn around and say to someone who's been fucking blown out of a country you shouldn't be here Fuck fuck off yeah it just pisses me off but um, so yeah, so and I know these are actual aliens, so I can understand fear, but it's not about that. No. It's about you shouldn't be here. Um, so yeah, so as basically Wickus escapes, yeah, and with the help of one of the um, prawns, you know, basically this guy's saying I can change you back. So it's oh, basically it goes with he's being hunted down, and um, he's basically trying to get this one prawn who said he could cure him to cure him, and but this prawn needs to get up into called christopher needs to get up into the mother spaceship but it's going to take three years so it's basically the whole trip of trying to get him up here which he does with a lot of stuff going in between and there's also this group in there they're these nigerians and they're bad yeah they're really evil shit like they're like you know because they sell stuff to the prawns um for stupid prices like cat food they're obsessed with cat food it's this (laughs) weird thing with cat food um (laughs) But um, and the film is very like as he's changing, it's very the fly. You know Jeff Goldblum in the fly, like that whole change when he's going through. So you can see I've a lot. I've never of, actually seen that. Yeah, you can see a lot of influences from that. Like a Cronenberg vibe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then there's this uh, Robocop basically in there that uh, Wickers gets into. He gets into the the thing that looks like a Robocop, and so that's really quite funny. And the power in these guns and stuff that the things have is insane. Um, like if he shoots you, you you blow up. You don't yeah. just get shot. You blow up. It's quite funny when he does it to the bad people. I'm not going to cry over that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just basically for me. Uh, I, I I I when I watched it, I wish I hadn't picked it and watched it because the social commentary. Yeah. It? Yeah. It was just too like a bit close to, to home I think about and I think this was one of those films like when we were saying in the Green Mile about all the ugliness in the world I think this was one of the films yeah. that that's kind of brings it yeah you know but home yeah it brings it home and then it basically he he's now turned into a full prawn it ends like this because there's a shot of him and then they're like this is the last known shot of Wickers and um, then yeah and then the next thing is the wife finds this little flower made from like stuff in a junkyard. Yeah. And then you cuts to him making them. Do you know what I mean? And he's full, full prawn. So yeah, it's a uh, sad. It's, it's a really good film though, but um, I won't ever watch it again. I'm really, I, I, it's a fantastic film, but I didn't have, I mean, it, it, yeah, but I didn't so much. I've seen it a few times and I didn't, really the first time i seen it yeah i've only seen it once yeah no i've seen it a few times i've seen it i'd seen it twice and i remember i one of the reasons i picked it was because i found it sad with what they were doing to him mm. and the whole thing with his wife and the flower at the end and all that kind of stuff they were the things i found sad mm. and that's why i picked it i completely f- almost forgot about the well i didn't think of it as that back then as the whole refugee thing yeah and then when i watched it and i was seeing the way that they were treating these people and the way they were abusive and hitting them and just treating them how they wanted and that's what made me wish i'd never seen it so i, I won't ever watch this film again okay. no i will never watch it again because it's just it's 
it's just an ugly side of human nature yeah that's very apparent today mm. that people still carry on people are so cruel but my next film's not like that <laughs> <laughs> what is a little bit no it's not <laughs> uh shall i do my your last, last one, one. your last one should be yes yeah okay uh, uh another late 90s film 1998 oh, late 90s mm, i know uh called by brad silberling <laughs> where's the wine <laughs> uh this is the uh, City of Angels. Oh. That was when Nicolas Cage was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, he was good in Kick-Ass. I think that was his last yeah. good film. Um, anyway, so this is a romantic fantasy film, uh, which is apparently uh, an American remake of a film called Wings of Desire, which is a European film. Was that film the one that Irish Goo Goo Dolls was? Yes. Yeah. That was a song played at my brother's wedding. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is about an angel played by Nicolas Cage and he falls in love with a mortal woman played by Meg Ryan and um, throughout the film he battles with a growing love and desire for her and with the guidance of um, a character played by Dennis Franz from NYPD Blue <laughs> he, is that how they say it? NYPD! Uh, well they just, do actually don't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God I love that TV series it's so good anyway um he, yeah, with the guidance of his character, he um, decides to take the fall and become human because, sorry, I should uh, um, tell you that the, that guy played by Dennis Franz, he did that himself. Mm. And uh, he's funny. He's light relief in this film. He's a good character. I think, I mean, there, there are a few reasons why this film is a very emotive mm. kind of film. One being the soundtrack. Killer mm. soundtrack. Good soundtrack. An amazing score, mm. especially when he makes the fall. Jesus Christ. Um, and also, um, their performances. And I never used to... Like, Meg Ryan's great at comedy, but this film is a serious yeah. film. And I don't know much of her sort of serious stuff, I have to say. No, I think oh, it was that film that she did with um, the Hulk. What's his name? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. I, I had Mark back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was in a film with him and it was quite... cut something about cut oh yeah in the cut in the cut or something i've not yeah. seen and that. it was it was raunchy. quite raunchy for miss mig ryan i've seen that film when a man loves a woman that's oh yeah with andy garcia that's that's sad yeah. but um yeah she i mean i you forget that she can do serious yeah. Yeah. um she was always the cutie comedy romantic interest next door next yeah, door yeah yeah but in this she plays this um this very down-to-earth um surgeon and in the film um Angels are kind of these dudes, these these people that sort of you know hang around in black clothes, and they hang around in places of learning and sort of intuition and those kind of places, so like hospitals and mm. libraries and stuff. And um, Seth, uh, that's Nicholas Cage's character, he they they hear people's thoughts, and she loses a patient on the table, and she looks all you know cold and like she doesn't care, and then she goes off to the stairwell and she's crying her eyes out eyes out and she's like how did i lose him how did i lose him and he's just there and he's trying to ease her because that's what they do to kind of ease people's pain and then she looks him right in the eye and she's not meant to see him and that's how their connection starts but she plays this earthiness it's really well that she plays like a complete contradiction to him because he's kind of you know spirit sort of spiritual kind of like soft character and she's like a gritty kind of earthy character and they they're sort of um contradictions are played really well and i don't know if you think this but when it's been nicholas cage does a sad face it's a sad face <laughs> <laughs> uh 
um so yeah and uh i haven't even got to the worst part of this film have you seen this film yes okay so this is a massive spoiler because it's a really really big spoiler but he makes the fall he decides to become human he wants to be with her and she wants to be with him so he makes his sacrifice and he becomes corporeal and he can feel pain and and everything and he wants to feel love and so he he goes through a lot after he's done the fall he's battered and bruised and he eventually finds her at this cabin and she's like holy shit you're real that's on her words (laughs) um and they make love and they're just they're, they are content. They're so happy. You're like, yes, they're together. And then she goes to, I think, goes to go and get him breakfast or something. And then you just, you know, shit's going to happen. <laughs> and she gets hit by a logging truck. And when she's out on her bike and she's in the road and he runs after her. And she's like, is this what dying's like? And, or something like that. And he's just like, oh god and then she sees angels you don't see her seeing angels because he's human now you mm. don't you know and he's like don't look at them don't look at them because he doesn't want her to go and she dies and so it's all kind of like you think it's all for nothing yeah and it's just oh, it destroys you but then at the end he's he 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 sees another angel friend and he's just like am i being punished because i i took the fall and he's like you know you're not and and he realizes in the end that it's it's you know it's not about it's not about all that he's yeah. experienced it's it's about uh, well, I'm trying to articulate this but it's 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 just kind of about, about the experience it's not about the end result which was he thought was just love he mm. he got to experience it and now life is about the good he can feel now so at the end because all the angels congregate in the morning to see the sunrise yeah. at the beach. And they just stand on the sand. They can't feel texture, you know. They can't actually feel the wind on their face. And he just goes diving into the sea with the waves. And he's just, he can, he feels like he can keep going. And it's, no, it's a really... That's a good film. Yeah, it's a really good um, take on that kind of... It's not about religion. It's kind of about faith. Yeah. Which we were talk, talking about earlier. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... just gets you thinking. <laughs> I find with films like that, I know it sounds, this is going to sound really silly, but you know when you watch that or you watch film like Titanic or stuff like that and you know exactly how that film's going to end. But when you're watching it again, do you ever do that? Maybe this time it will yeah. end like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I do that all the time. It's like when I watch my crime documentaries. I know that person's dead, but I'm hoping by the end she's not actually dead this time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really weird. I find myself watching sometimes these sad films thinking it, the end's going to be different <laughs> this time. It's almost like say feeling when you're watching a horror movie. You know yeah. the jump scene's going to come, yeah. but you're like, yeah. you know, and you're bracing yourself for it. Why do you do it to yourself? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I but I th- I think that's the thing with um, these kind of films. They, it's what we were saying earlier. It's not. It's not about you know a masochistic kind of trying to make yourself cry. No. It's about. It's about going through something and coming mm. out on the end of it and being like, oh, "Got that out of my system," but I've learned a lot from it. Hit in a really cheesy way. <laughs> well, it's like what I said about District Nine. I I watched it a few times, and the th- time I watched it yesterday, I saw it in a completely different light. You know, it's like you said you were talking about even Friends. You were like, "Now when I see it, oh, I didn't know, I didn't see that." You just, I think you just see things differently. Yeah, the rewatch yeah. is always yeah worth. Yeah, the rewatch. Because <laughs> no, you do is. learn things it each is. time. You do learn things each time. Yeah, but then sometimes you don't want to. 
Yeah. But like, I wish I hadn't watched District 9. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the film that you were like subbing at the other day then when you were like, sent me the picture? No, that was, um, I think that was Bridges of Madison County. Just to explain to you guys throughout the week we've been sending text going i just put myself through something else i'm sending <laughs> pictures of various stages of us crying <laughs> God, no. i don't think at any stage no i did i went into uh, the ugly cry did you yeah with my next film okay go on then my next film is a bit of nostalgia and it was the very first film i remember crying at and i haven't watched it in years i mean years and years and years, and years. so i thought will i Will I cry? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> um, so it's a film back from 1982, Spielberg. And it's with our ever lovable little extraterrestrial <laughs> E.T. Um, and, you know, I've spoken to a few people about this film and they were like, yeah, I cry. I think a friend of mine, Michelle, she said, uh, yeah, I was taken out of the cinema <laughs> because I cried so much. Um, so this is a film that stars a very, very, very young Drew Barrymore. Mm, um, I think she's like six or something in it, isn't she? Or eight or something. Um, Henry Thomas, Peter Coyote. Um, so it's basically a drama, fantasy, sci-fi, um, and it followed on from some big films of Spielberg's, which is Jaws and uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, so basically, this film is what thirty-six years old now, and it's still, you know, it still gets yeah, it still gets there. Like, do you know what I mean? And um, you know, it, I think it's had an impact on you know new upcoming people like me and you discussed stranger things in episode three yeah and uh, you know if you watch et and watch stranger things you're gonna see a huge impact there and um you know i think this is a film that you know i'll eventually show my child one day you know i think people this is a film that keep on going on like like the wizard of oz which is it's timeless yeah it's timeless yeah you're you're just um grow old with it Mm. so for those of you who haven't seen et firstly go watch it (laughs) it's amazing um it's basically about a little boy called Elliot who befriends um a little alien who's been left behind by his buddies um who is called E.T. and uh, this as he's getting this um his relationship grows with the alien he starts to feel things that he feels so they basically feel the same thing um and he introduces him then to his um brother and sister and there's a lot of funny things out of that, like especially when Gertie, played by Drew Barrymore, dresses him up <laughs> as a little girl. Yeah. And she teaches him to talk and, you know, all these kind of things. So, you know, it, it, it's a really nice film in that yeah. respect. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, but then, oh, actually, I have to say there's one scene. Um, there's this one scene where um, Elliot's at school and they're about to do these scientific experiments oh, on yeah, their frogs. Yeah. And um, uh, E.T.'s at home and he starts drinking alcohol and he gets pissed. And then Elliot gets pissed and he frees all the frogs and then kisses this girl. He was in he was in Baywatch, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that I thought was kind of funny. And whenever E.T.'s running around, it always reminds me if Nick, if you've got a toddler, <laughs> watch E.T. running around drunk and then look at your toddler and you will see exactly the same run. <laughs> it's really funny. It always reminds me of that. I said, well, I was going to dress Riley up maybe this year as E.T. drunk. You should. <laughs> you should. And then, of course... The old government gets in the way and uh, wants E.T. for themselves. And uh, so basically they try and they get him because they, you know, obviously want to look into what he's all about. And um, he's dying. And then, of course, so Elliot's dying because he feels the same thing. Um, and they think he's dead. They think he, but Elliot's kind of they kind of separate. And then they think um, uh, they think E.T. Uh, e. is dead. But it turns out he's not. So Elliot and his brother and their friends take um, 
E.T. back to the forest so that because they've called his friends to come and get him and that's where you get that iconic shot you know no before that you've got the iconic shot do you remember when I should have mentioned that before of when he uh Elliot's with E.T. on his own remember they go out to the forest for the first time they go over oh, the moon. yeah and yeah. that's the thing on Amblin isn't it um Steven Spielberg's company um but yeah so him and his friends are on the bike and they do that again where E.T. lifts him up into the air yeah to uh, get away from um the uh government and um there's this really funny bit with um, Gertie, Drew Barrymore. Um, she's like, are they gone yet? To the mum. She's like, well, what do you mean? She goes, I'm not supposed to give this to you until they're gone. Are they gone yet? <laughs> so like, you know, and uh, she's like, give me the note. So basically it's saying what they've done. And then she's in the car and the mum and the daughter are trying to go off. And one of the government guys comes down, Pete, Peter Coyote. And she's like, where are you going? And Gertie again, we're going to see the men in the moon. You know, like this type of thing. Like, you know, going to the spaceship and yeah, all this kind of stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that bit's quite yeah. I mean, she's like, and she's just shouting well, at yeah, the well, mum's in d- all distressed. It's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. In the bathroom, it's the man in the moon in the car. It's the spaceship thing, and uh, so she keeps on like landing the minute, not on purpose, but she's a child. She doesn't yeah. understand. Like so, basically, they get back, and uh, they get to the spaceship, and then that whole scene. So the scene where he's dying, you're gonna cry, <laughs> and then that whole scene where he's saying goodbye. I'll be right here. <laughs> is that, and then the finger, ouch, you know, this type of thing. And uh, yeah, that is definitely. Do you know? One. It is, yeah, it's. Did uh, you not cry, E.T.? Uh, no. <gasps> <laughs> but no, I mean, can I, I'll just explain. As a kid. Or explain myself. <laughs> as a kid, I think I, like when my brother and sister, who are like, um, six and seven years older than me and my you know, parents are watching it I don't I th- I was fucking Gertie do you know I didn't know what a clue was going on um, throughout watching this film and then I just watched it in bits so it just didn't piece together for oh, me right, okay. and then as an adult yeah it's very, I can I can see it now but it took me a long time to just sort of want to watch it and then when I did yes it is yeah I would have only been a kid I would have only been about eight I would have been eight mm. when that came out but um, yeah, no, I I actually enjoyed watching it again. Yeah, it. and it's still kind of, I mean, the flying through the sky scenes, you know, you can you can tell. I mean, obviously, you know, people don't fly through the skies on bikes, but nowadays it would be a lot clearer and sharper, mm. where you can tell. But it still has that, you know, when you like um, I watched the bonus material afterwards, and Spielberg was saying how um, you know, he's gone back and kind of like he did, I think, a twenty or twenty-five year um re-release. And, um, you know, he did some touches here and there that he couldn't do back then because mm. he wanted to make yeah. it, you know. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it still stood, you know, and I think it will stand again in 20 years, like when, yeah, you know, people are still watching it. But yeah, no, I, I just think it's a really nice film. It is a nice film, definitely. You know, and very sad. has <laughs> <laughs> a nice message, kind of. Yeah. Well, whatever. What is that message? But... Do you know, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> Be nice to aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it, yeah. Because the kid's kind of lost faith a bit, hasn't he, at the beginning? Because didn't his dad leave? Their dad's, yeah, he's got a, you know. Yeah. He's gone off with somebody else and stuff. And, and the mother, like, there's the mother notices nothing. Like, do you know what I mean? She's so um, chaotic and, yeah. you know, because she's trying to do everything. And, you know, the, she's, like, upset the guy's, her, part, her husband's gone, obviously. Um, and like you know, ET is literally standing there, and she doesn't notice him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, 
but he yeah. he just kind of makes the kids yeah. especially Elliot just realize you know. and he brings the kids together because there's yeah. kind of like they kind of have this like which I suppose a lot of siblings have like this bickering going on and uh, but he kind of brings them all you yeah know, together as well I think so yeah I just think it's a really nice lovely family film and I'd highly recommend it it's good and you will cry <laughs> <laughs> I cut through it I know what, Lorraine? <laughs> what film are we going to do today in the Flashback Film Club? Well, this is uh, Emmett Smith's suggestion. Emmett Smith? That'd right. be my brother, that'd be. <laughs> are we doing Southwest now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and Emmett has asked us to watch The Burbs. I love that film. It's such a good film. <laughs> it's a 1989 film, so it's quite old, um, by Joe Dante. He directed <laughs> films such as Gremlins, Inner Space. Ah, oh, I fucking love Inner Space. Yeah. I'm sorry for the swearing, and but Inner Space is I think there's a bit of swearing in this uh, podcast in general, so we apologise if anyone's offended by swearing. I think they should miss out of us by now. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's a comedy horror I suppose that's the best way you can describe it. And it stars Tom Hanks, the late Carrie Fisher, um, Corey Feldman, for anyone who doesn't... His hair in this film is amazing, by the way. I know. Sorry. It's very luscious, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, what does he use? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Rick Ducommon and uh, Bruce Stone. Well, do you want to describe what it is or do you want me to? No, you go for it. Yeah, it basically takes place in this little cul-de-sac and um, Hanks, yeah? In California, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say Burbank, but I don't know why I want to say that, so I might be completely wrong. Is that why it's called Bur the Bur <laughs> Burbs is suburbs. I know. Idiot. I thought it might be a double, you know, yeah. play in words. Double play in words. Um <laughs> Yeah, so basically um You're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> Tom Hanks plays um this guy, uh oh is it Ray Peterson is his name? Yeah. And he's basically got some time off work and uh he his wife goes off but it was Carrie Fisher. She goes off uh, with the kid and Tom Hanks, uh, Rick Ducommon and Bruce Dern basically um, start this uh, quest in uh, proving that their neighbours, the Clopex, have just moved in, are in fact murderers and have killed another neighbour called Walter. And it's basically like this crazy little street. And I think one of the reasons... Like, I've always found it funny, but I find it f even funnier now. It's because I kind of used to live in a street like this where the neighbours were a bit crazy and shit always happened. And sometimes it was just an interesting street to watch. Mm. Not Nobody got killed, but it was just an interesting street yeah. to watch. And, um, you know, so I, I kind of like that. Because, like, Corey Feldman kind of, he just watches yeah, yeah. what goes on. His friends come over, they open some beers, they put on some music, and they just sit on the deck on the porch and watch the street. <laughs> it, it, I, as a kid, definitely, definitely used to think there was like creepy shenanigans going on because outside my parents' house, um, across the road, is another house, but it was completely hedged off. You couldn't, you can see, you it. could only see the roof, and then um, through the trees at the bottom, you could see a bit of the garden. And I was always just used to like stick my head. Something and, bad. Happened, yeah, and his name was Fred, and he was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but my imagination took me places oh yes it did <laughs> you know, um, that before. but these are grown men in this film so you know they've got an excuse but that that's the funny thing they are they're like grown men but the way they're carrying on mm. it's like just so funny 
when um, yeah. they're in the basement and uh, Tom Hanks starts chanting, I'm not listening or something yeah. like that. And he's like, you're chanting. Yeah. He's you're chanting. He, they're getting in your head like, you know, they're Satanists. And I was just like, dude, just get this guy out of your life and you'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, it's just a really funny film of them trying to figure out what's happened to their neighbor, mm. basically, who they think has been murdered by the Clopex. Again, watching it from a fresh perspective and having never really seen it yeah. before. Um, having watched it for this segment, I felt really weird to see Tom Hanks in a film like that. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I just felt a, b- a bit odd. Like, he plays the humour well, obviously. But at the same time, it kind of felt... I don't know. Well, I know what you mean, because like, I was you know, thinking about myself, and I, I feel like this is a film by Hanks that's overlooked. Like, I don't think many people seem to know this as a Tom Hanks film. And I actually watched, um, l- looked at some reviews, and there was a lot of... Bad you know yeah which i think is uh unwarranted because i think i've seen this film so many times and my brother has as well and that's that's why he said it and there's a very like it's very slapstick do you know what i mean like mm. the 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 relationship between um hanks and Ducommon is like you know it's like lauren hardly the way they carry on like do yeah. you know what i mean like the stuff they get up to and yeah yeah i did notice that Here's an interesting one. I'm not sure. I think it's, I feel a bit sad actually that I've watched it not as a chick as a, a kid because yeah. I think yeah. it would probably be like a family yeah. nostalgic film but I don't have that because I'm watching it as an adult and not in that era. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a bit sad in that sense but it was entertaining. Yeah. No, it's definitely entertaining and um, I'd I'd recommend it to watch. It's just a funny film like you know don't i think sometimes people expect too much from films and this is a film that just is what it is yeah you know rather than expecting you know it did make me laugh there's this use of camera work where they're going ah and the camera zooming in and out as yeah. they're going ah and i was like is this for real yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's meant yeah. to be a yeah kind of pissed yeah they're me. like ah yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i love this film good film yeah, he does do exaggeration well. Oh, does but it believable? Ext- yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. If I did it, you'd be like, "All right, calm down." Yeah. But when he does it, you're like, "Yeah, that's right, Tom. You tell him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, he he does it really well. There's a lot of Tom Hanks love in this uh, episode. There is a lot of Tom Hanks love. Tom and Meryl. I do love Tom though. <laughs> and that was the flashback film club. Yeah. So uh, let us know any films that you want us to shout out to you in our next flashback film club. What films and TV would you like to see next, Harry? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stuff that I'm looking forward to uh, is season four of I, Zombie. Coming out. Oh, yeah. I think that's like February 26th. 27th. 27th. I can't wait for that. No, not me. Yeah, it's a great series. Um, On Instagram, they bloody, like the the guy who plays Javi. He's so funny. Yeah, but he's like. Ravi. Ravi. He's like taunting us. (laughs) I feel like every time I see him, like. Just tell us something. Him and Malcolm J. Goodwin, is it? Yeah. Uh, those two on Instagram oh, yeah, are hilarious. Yeah, cop, yeah. Love them both. Uh, t- to be fair, you need to watch this series. It's it's not, it's I Zombie and it's about zombies and stuff, but it's a really good um, yeah. comedy yeah. Uh, t- show. So and you can it. binge watch it on Netflix. Yeah. So yeah. you can catch up. Go do that now. Yeah, do it now. Now. Well, wait to the end of the podcast, then go do it. <laughs> and the, another one is season two of Legion. That messed with my melon massively. Mm. <laughs> it's is that, is that a, a twist in my melon, man? Yeah, happy yeah. Monday song. <laughs> <laughs> this has Dan Stevens in, 
and he plays the superhero uh, Marvel character of Legion. But he is like, I think it's schizophrenic. Well, what else was he in? I know that name. He's in quite a lot of stuff at the moment, but he was in um, Downton Abbey. Downton, I didn't watch that. And he's an English, he's a British actor. He's not the guy who plays the Beast, is he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, by one of the creators of Fargo, and it's just mind bending it's so good i highly recommend it takes a few episodes to get into it but okay. then once it's on netflix um no it was on sky oh, okay. um i don't know about in the rest of the world okay but um and i'm also looking to forward to two films and that's journey's end yeah about the first world war um which is based on a very famous play and then a film called the mercy with colin firth about oh. um a guy who kind of goes a bit it's based on a true story about this man who went on a around the world yacht race and went a bit crazy you would. Hmm? You would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I'm looking forward to Deadpool 2. Oh Ryan my God, Reynolds yeah, be really good. and Josh Brolin as Cable. I love Josh Brolin. He's like, it's like he's, because um, you didn't really hear from him for a while. And now he's like coming back in all these amazing films. Mm. So a uh, sexy voice. Oh God, yeah. And he, he's pretty pleasing as well. Um, <laughs> and I loved the first Deadpool. Yes, I did. I want to shoot. Baby, <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. I just love it when he's like, "We're going to Xavier's house. Which Xavier? Stuart or Mc- McAvoy?" <laughs> no, <Sorry>. brilliant. <laughs> film. Uh, my other film, I is um, it's an Oscar-nominated one actually. Um, the Shape of Water. That I yes. can't pronounce his name. What is it? Gu- Gu- Guillermo. Guillermo de Toro. Toro. Yeah, him. Um, which is basically uh, about a top secret research facility in the 1960s where um, a janitor forms this like relationship, unique relationship with a amphibious creature which is being held in captivity. So, um, you know me, I love a good alien. And uh, <laughs> I do actually, I love alien films. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to those two. Yeah, that um, really And I Zombie. And I think that's a wrap on that yeah. episode. Yeah. So uh, feel free to join us for some thoughtful film chat by emailing us at showmethepodcast at gmail.com or to keep an eye out for what we have in future podcasts, then uh, check out our Facebook page and our Instagram feed at showmethepodcast. And I said you can also follow us on Twitter at smtpcast. <laughs> yeah, and you can also see uh, mine and Harry's individual projects such as blogs, videos and more things. Um, I'm basically on WordPress and Pinterest as Winging It The Truth About Parenting. I do a parenting blog and uh, Twitter as Lorraine Smith 74 and Instagram as Lorraine Smith 74 and they're both with a Y. And Harry? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Tales of Peck. I uh, write sort of travel-esque vlogs, uh, sorry, uh, blogs, and I try and make some travel-esque kind of vlogs with content that me and uh, my partner in crime, Alec, have created on our travels. (laughs) Yeah, so you've been listening to Show Me The Podcast, and thanks for listening. I wish I knew how to quit you. Like a creme brulee.